Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful, what is today, the Saturday, Saturday the 26th of October. I am Keith Feltner-Smith. He is Ty Delbridge. What up? You are listening to Podland Trailcasters, and you can always reach us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, trailcasters at Gmail. If you want to send us those emails, we always appreciate those. Wherever you find our podcast, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, any other sources out there, if we're not on them, let us know. We will get on there. Please send us those what, Ty? Five stars. Yes, sir. And these beautiful beats you're hearing right now from Odar, you can find at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. Please support your local artists and beat makers. And you know what? While we're at it, I just want to throw in there as well. Shout out to Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking, our two sponsors, all the way from day one with Trailcasters. They have been wonderful sponsors. Please go and support them. Envy Adventures, E-N-V-I, adventures.com. If you want to get up around Portland for some beautiful scenery or I believe uh, short short range courier flights even, but mostly just the, the beautiful gorge around Portland, the, the city itself. Mount Hood, get up to the dunes, whatever you want to see, they will take you there. If you want to communicate with them properly or anyone else, if you are podcasting and feel like you're constantly slurring or, in my case, speaking too fast and stressing your voice out, go and talk to our friend Brenda Nuckton at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. She can help you with all of that. Much, uh, much better podcasting quality, I would say, and we are all about that audio quality on this end. Our guest today, a Corvallis native now living out on the East Coast from Bleach Report, he is Varun Bose. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. I promise. Like, I, I'm, I'm more excited to be back than the fact that basketball is back. So this is all, oh, it's all coming bro. together. <laughs> That's a, that is a huge compliment. I will take it. And I just got to point out here, uh, we have been talking for weeks now about trying to get the show on video. Uh, I want to uh, get the video on YouTube. I think we're going to get there today. And my man, Varun, you come prepared. I mentioned this last minute. And he's got ball don't lie right across the top. I have to mention this just in case it doesn't get onto YouTube. Because I got to give you credit for that. It is fat. Hey, uh, Shout out, shout out Trailblazing, shout out the brand. The brand is strong. Uh, always got to support. Always got to support. So hell yeah, man. Trailblazing are good people. And Ty, you too, man. You're looking good over there. You got the jersey and the flag up there. I got I got a little bit of blazer stuff in my living room here. We got some uh, some homemade artwork and some foam hands and it's whatnot. It's looking pretty good. <laughs> this is just the living room though. The the studio is gonna blow people away. If if they do if we do get this on YouTube, what it's gonna look like when I get into there. Oh man, I'm I'm feeling good. It's gonna be full on like, you know, shout out to Jalen and Jacoby and the studio they get on their show. I love that look. Just everything plastered around the walls with all the culture and the uh uh NBA artifacts. Uh it's gonna be good, man. It's gonna be blazer centric. It's uh gonna be fun, but that's enough tooting my own horn. I don't wanna uh, blow it up too much if I don't actually get it together. <laughs> Let's talk about let's toot Dame's horn for a minute. Actually, did you guys see the Sports Center commercial that Dame put out, or that they put out with Dame? I definitely I did, did. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ty. I think he put out two of them, right? Oh, was there two? Ah. Okay. Well, I saw the one with him in the uh, in the office cubicle, and the lady comes by asking him about uh, his schedule, his calendar, and he's like, "Oh, it's 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 always Dame time. I'm kind of full." And she's like, "Well, what about this spot?" And he goes, "Oh, he kind of looks over the computer screen. Yeah, checks the calendar. Uh, yeah, that Dame time is lunch. So." Uh, I what, what's the other one? That one was hilarious. But is there a, a one that I've missed here? Varun, what did you see? I'm trying to think. There's another one with both Linda Cohn and someone else, and they're watching it. Uh, it's 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 escaping my mind right now. But there definitely are two. I remember. Yeah, I can't exactly remember. He's wearing the. I think he's wearing the white jersey in one, and then he's wearing the black jersey in the other. Oh, but, okay, okay. So they have a wardrobe switch. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember what it is. But yeah, he has two sports center commercials, which is about time because he's a very marketable guy. And then obviously Dame Time and all that fun stuff he does should be right in there with those fun sports center commercials. I love those things. They should do a ton more of those. 
I'm, I'm glad to see him come back, man. I feel like we'd seen a few here and there. I've been seeing one on TV more recently, I believe. I don't actually know her name because I don't follow uh, uh, wrestling as much. But they have a, a female star. A guy is at like a, the, the vending machine. He can't get something out. And she comes up and acts like she's going to like punch the machine. Or Ronda Rousey physical. probably. That's probably God, Ronda Rousey. I think, it's, I think it's Becky Lynch. In that. Oh, yeah. Yes, no, it is Becky go. Lynch. Yeah. It is Becky yeah, Lynch. I, I knew yes. it wasn't Rousey. I don't know all the names. But yeah, um, but yeah, I just, you know, she goes to almost punch the machine then makes a phone call like, hey, can we get service down here? Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Uh, I love the, the, I'm glad they're bringing those back. I feel like they did kind of disappear for a little while. Uh, so as far as the, uh, the back and forth though, you mentioned kind of them doing two of these. I wonder, well, you know, and this is a lame segue. I wonder if, uh, I wonder how much Dame had to travel if he had to go down for different shoots for, uh, for that kind of thing. But the Blazers themselves had some travel woes between these two games. Boy, did I really force that one in there. Uh, Skill. Uh, (laughs) Skill segue there. You are. So we will get to the actual game review in a minute, but I just want to throw this one in here first. After our first game against Denver up here, the home opener, uh, that did not go so well. The travel afterwards went not quite so well either. Before they could get down to Sacramento, there was a great story on kind of the Blazers' social media and the Instagram uh, from, from Brooke and Jamie and a number of others talking about how the plane to Sacramento was supposed to leave at 2 p.m. They're out there on the tarmac. And I guess the captain about a half hour later calls and says there's an electrical issue. They had to turn off all the lights in the plane, uh, shut everything down for a while. Then another half hour after that, there's a message that the part is uh, coming from UPS. Uh, Then a little while later, the word is, well, the UPS uh, delivery didn't work, so we're going to send it down from Seattle on a truck. And then a little while later, I guess the plan is, well, we're going to send down a 757, a different plane entirely to just get you guys on that one. So... According to Brooke, I think she said it was a four and a half hour delay for them to get out of Portland and then get on Sacramento. That's, you know, it's only to Sacramento. So it's not the it's not like as if this is a huge trip across the country. If they're in the middle of a long road trip, this is only the start of a long road trip, whatever. Uh, but kind of interesting to think about, you know, that aspect of the NBA travel life. And it doesn't sound like the players themselves took it too poorly. Uh, we saw some, again, social media and Instagram and Twitter videos or Twitter images of a lot of guys on the tarmac, uh, Dame and Nurk and Pow and others like goofing around with like a, a luggage truck or something like that. Uh, I, I mean, it's better than getting stuck in an elevator like last year, right? Yeah. I mean, like that was insane. Like oh, the, yeah, the best part was like Evan Turner freaking or taking videos of everyone and everyone just freaking out. Like Dame was not having it at all. Uh, but yeah, it's got to suck to have like a two hour flight all of a sudden turn into like a six and a half hour journey. Uh, but yeah. they showed up against Sacramento, which was huge. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly it, man. And there we go. Look at that. Professional, real segue from Varun over there. Let's just talk about uh, the games. First, let's touch on the opening night in Denver. Don't want to hit on this too much. Uh, it, it didn't go so well for us. We had an 18-year win streak, home opener win streak, end on on Wednesday night. That was not fun. I got to gotta be totally honest about it. Uh, as far as that history, the last uh, team we played, do you know who that win streak, uh, who, who, I guess, who was the last team that, that beat us at home before... Uh, before this Wednesday. I read this somewhere, but I don't remember. It was the 2000-2001 Lakers. That means that the last time that we lost at home on the Blazers, the roster had Arvidas Sabonis. We had Sheed. I mean, this is like so long. There's Blazer fans out here that have never even seen these guys play live, you know? So it's crazy to think that that kind of streak came to an end. Uh, It is unfortunate. But hey, streaks, uh, when they break, you just start a new one, right? Yeah, I mean... But I think that's 18 years of winning at home opener. That's a lot of years, especially we like we had a few not so good teams there. So, I mean, like the fact that they were always like able to come out and win game one for a while, 
I mean, like that's. I mean, like that streak was gonna snap eventually, so I think it'll be nice to have that like pressure off for next year. Like they don't have to worry about keeping 20, then 21, then 22. Now it's just go out and start the season. Also, I, I feel like the streak ending is sort of like a, a metaphor for how the NBA has sort of changed in general. Like there's oh, not gonna no. be any. I mean, like it, there's not so much like there's not any, gonna be any pushovers in, in any game pretty much. Like you saw that with Denver, you saw that with Sacramento yesterday. Like they definitely fought and it was close the whole way. So. I don't know. I, I don't take it sucks. Like that's a really fun streak, but like, Hey, there's a new NBA and every team in the West is pretty good, you know? And to be fair too, we were not the only Western powerhouse to kind of lose their opener this season. Uh, the Golden State Warriors just opened their new arena. And so there's all sorts of kind of fanfare about that one. And they got uh, blown out really by the Clippers smashed. on that game too. And last no, year no. they got beat by the Lakers, right? Was it Lakers? No. I think they lost somebody uh, last year. Yeah. I, I think they got beat in their home opener last year too. Pretty good. Hey, all I know is that we beat the Lakers in our home opener last year because I still got Dame dunking over LeBron as the lock screen for my phone. <laughs> uh, so, and then Dame's, uh, I was going to say Dame's dunk in game one, too, was like just, or, just great in, in Denver. That thing yeah. was, I, I literally was like watching at home. It was pretty late at night and I stood up and yelled pretty loud and the cats uh, at my house definitely got scared a bit. So <laughs> I feel like the cats just made an appearance. I saw, I think a little bit of a tail up here. on the Yeah. One, there. one of them is like definitely trying to get on camera. She thinks she's like yeah, the biggest star in the, in the, uh, in the house, uh, which awesome. she is to be fair, but I don't know how much she can speak about, you know, like, <laughs> rotations or anything like that but she might be <laughs> she'll pass her messages through you no i actually uh my wife uh is out at my nephew's soccer game this morning and she uh took both of our dogs with us so if you i'm not sure if you guys have noticed the lack of clack uh, clickety clacks going around in the background but my dogs are not out like drinking water on the wood floors this morning uh yeah as far as the first game though let's just touch on a few more things the three-point defense from the blazers has been horrible and that's actually been for both games we can yeah. get to that more in a minute uh but I would also say as far as, I don't want to be totally negative, but the one other real takeaway that I had from game one, I feel like the refs are still not very fair to Zach. Like, they're still treating him like a rookie in the start of his third year, man. And we, we saw, um, we saw again, in, in game two as well against Sacramento, there were some calls. I think we did actually see in game two the first uh, coach's challenge turn over a call because Zach got pretty vertical up in front of, I believe it may have been De'Aaron Fox, yeah. and the refs called it foul on Zach, and they're trying to say that he wasn't entirely vertical as he's going up. Uh, Stotts gives the challenge, and he actually got turned over. So we did see Stotts, Stotts use a challenge in both games so far. What is your impression, Varun, of this of this new rule in the NBA so far this year? I mean, I think it's kind of goofy. I, I wouldn't, I would be, I wouldn't be shocked to like see it go next year. Uh, at the same time, like, hey, it's if we're just trying to get calls right, like. Why not? I mean, they've been doing it at the NFL for years now and like might as well try to do it in the NBA. I'm curious to see like what kind of calls will get overturned and what won't. Definitely seems like the the one that Zach got called for, like it seemed pretty clear that it wasn't a foul. So that was cool. Uh, also, just touching on the Zach Collins thing, like I've been very impressed with him the last two games. Like it doesn't seem like he's picking up as many just like random cheap fouls as he has been. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I, I still think that because of his haircut and because of the way he looks just kind of like a villain, like he's never going to get totally fairly called, but (laughs) at least he's improving on his end. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is good. I'm, I, I think we're going to see big things from Zach this year. I'm not, uh, I'm not set that he's going to get this kind of treatment all year, but I just thought it was interesting to see right off the bat that he couldn't get any respect from the refs on the other end though. Of course we did see uh, Jokic, right? Uh, In game one for Denver, he got three fouls real quick. Like three minutes, like 40 seconds or something like that. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, and, uh, you know, you got to credit Hassan with part of that, too, I guess, though. Hassan definitely played pretty tight up on him in the beginning of the game and then maybe had a little more trouble towards the end as far as defending out at the three-point line. Yeah, he definitely uh, was bugging him down low. He was driving him nuts for rebounds. He was, like, holding him in the post. And then I think the problem there at the end, he was just gassed white side. He just didn't have enough energy to get out on Jokic. And that showed last night, too. Like, he only played 26 minutes. He didn't play in the fourth quarter. I don't know if that's due because of the injuries that he suffered during preseason or if that's just maybe how Stotts will use it. He'll just use Whiteside for bunches and then he'll bring Collins in to make it play safe. I don't know. Or like consistent. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I read somewhere also that uh, they sat him out because the Kings went small down the stretch. Yeah. So they were like, Zach is probably the better way to go on top with all of the other stuff of like, okay, he was completely gassed in uh, the first game, like the travel stuff and then like having to play again. Like, I mean, he played great, but I, I really prefer seeing Zach Collins down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I think he's way better defender and he's just makes the team a lot more dynamic. And I, I, I don't know. I, well, we could talk Hassan a little bit later, but I, I have. <laughs> on, on Zach or on Hassan? On Hassan. Go for it, man. Yeah, let's, let's talk Hassan. Uh, here, well, you, you go ahead and start us off. I got some stats I wanted to kind of uh, lead with, but let's hear what you got. Well, it's funny that you say, like, we want to lead with some stats because Hassan Whiteside is like, I mean, he's been known as, like, the stat king for a long yeah. time and, like, a lot of empty stats. And I, look, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Hassan Whiteside tape myself, but, like, it, in the first two games, it kind of seems like that's going to be the MO. Look, at the end of the day, like, the, the reason they traded for him was, like, to have a plug-in for Yusuf Nurkic, right? Like, Nurk's not going to come back until earliest, probably March, uh, most likely April, playoff time, and then who knows, like, necessarily how good of conditioning he'll be in, etc. Um, so Hassan was always going to be, like, a replacement-level player for him. Now, he's obviously not going to be as good as Nurk, but he's going to do some things that Nurk does, right? He's going to get block shots. He's going to get some rebounds here and there. The thing that I have trouble with is that, like, all of the numbers that you see that he gets, it's all like, like every rebound he gets is because he's tall, not because he's like actively boxing out or like actively going for it. Every block he has is like, because he's tall. It's not like so much that he's like attacking or like really like, you know, he's not really like making like people on offense, like adjust their shots and things like that. So like, and that's not like a knock on him necessarily. Like he's using his, you know, athleticism to his advantage. Whereas you look at someone like Zach Collins, or other, some of the other better defenders in the NBA, they're using their athleticism, but also they're using like their defensive intelligence. And I think he just sort of lacks a little bit of that. But that being said, like I think the trade is still fine. I think him being on the Blazers is still fine. And if they're closing with Zach Collins and not him, like I think it'll be okay. It's it's interesting. I um, so I, mean, I gotta say, it sounds like you're maybe not the biggest Hassan fan. Oh, okay. but fair. Uh, and, uh, you know, also you were, we mentioned before, you were kind of our, our Trailcasters East Coast analysis, or analyst, excuse me. Um, and, and so you've had maybe a closer view on Hassan in the past number of years. I, I got to say, as far as him being the replacement level player, I've been pretty impressed with what he's brought for us so far. Uh, I had written down over his first two games here. Well, first of all, for his, uh, for his opening night game, uh, we Blazer fans have all loved Ed Davis here for a long time. Yeah. Just for the rebounding alone. And you talked about Hassan getting some rebounds. He had the third most opening night rebounds in Blazer history. Only Bill Walden and Leroy Ellis uh, in the 70s had more than the 19 that Hassan got in his first game. And then so just just over his first two games. Yes, he is the stat king. I'm not going to argue that one. Um, and, you know, and here, before I actually get into the stats, what you said about it, the fact that he's getting these stats because he's tall and not as much kind of the, the smart basketball, that could be totally fair. He is a physical specimen. He's an athletic 
he's an athletic beast, man, when he's out there on the floor. And I think we've seen a lot of that through the first two games. But I will say, this is obviously the optimistic Blazer fan in me, but we've seen lots of other players come up here to Portland where they had a lot of raw talent, but not a lot of refined fundamental skill. And they leave with a bit of an uh, improved skill set. So maybe we see that kind of develop for Hassan uh, over his time here. Just over these first two games, though, let me put these stats out here. Uh, 16 points, 19 rebounds, 2 blocks in his first game as a Blazer. Then last night against Sacramento, 22 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. So missed the double-double last night, but filled the stat sheet up in, in a way that if we saw either of those lines from Nurk, 16-9 and 2 blocks, or 22-9, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, we are stoked on that night for Nurk, you know what I mean? Yeah, look, I, I'm probably not giving a white side as much credit as I should. Like, I, when I say a couple rebounds and then he goes out first game, has like 19. I mean, like, that's very impressive. That's not just like some rebounds. That's like he's, he's doing his job. He's doing everything he can. Well, and, and I'm not trying to call you out because everyone, there's a lot of hate on white side, not just among the national stuff, but even Blazer fans here. We talked on, I think, last episode, Ty, about how skeptic some fans have gotten uh, just through the preseason because he was still dealing with this, this kind of ankle injury coming back. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just curious. I think he does have a lot of basic, athletic, explosive talent uh, and maybe lacks some of the refinement. Maybe some of the time down in Miami, he was just really able to survive off that and eat off his ability without having to refine. But, you know, I would you agree that Portland is maybe a good spot for him to take it to the next level? Yeah, I mean, like, everyone who has come through Portland has, like, left. I think someone wrote this or someone said this, so I, I forgive me for not crediting that. But pretty much everyone who's come through Portland has, like, gone off to, like, has improved and then like gone on to like get a better bigger and better contract so like portland is the place to come if you want to improve and like take that raw talent to the next level i think like at the end of the day like i'm happy that we have Whiteside. like don't get me wrong i think what would concern me is like in a game four game five situation where like in the playoffs and like he's out there in the fourth quarter then i'm like okay i'm, I'm getting a little nervous here you know mm-hmm. but like as a regular season player as someone who's going to play center for us for you know up, upwards of 30 to 32 minutes like yeah i'm, I'm very happy we have him. and let's say like neil O'Shea, i think that was probably the plan like he was maybe planning on nurkic coming back for the playoffs and not using like white side when it really really matters and then and then like he knows he can put up like big stats during regular season and like maybe go win some games on like a second night of like a back-to-back like in Orlando and go win that game while he puts up 20 and 15 and three blocks and then just wills it so I think they almost are basing him just being good during the regular season and then and then like with Gasol, Nurkic and Collins like really like leading the playoff push and then also with Whiteside I'm with you on him just not really he's not I mean like he's skilled but he's probably been big like his entire life. So like he's never really had to learn like, okay, like I grew up six once, so let me be a guard. And then now I grew big. No, he's probably been right. tall and long. And, and then like, yeah, I mean for a while now. So he's probably just like, Oh, I've just be, or just get based off like my athleticism. Let me just jump in on what you're saying here, Ty, too. Just as a comparison, we've heard about Anthony Davis. He was yeah. a player who, when he was young, he was a point guard. He was a very, uh, he was a very different position than what he plays now in the NBA and he grew quick. So it kind of does give him a different skill set and kind of uh, where he's used to playing, where he's used to looking on the floor than someone who's been big their entire life. And yeah, maybe, maybe has been able to kind of get by a little bit more on just his raw talent, raw ability. I think it's also just like a mentality thing, right? If you're seven foot or really tall your whole life, like you've gone through high school being the biggest guy, college being probably one of the biggest guys and you can just rely on your athleticism instead of like, okay, I need to learn these other skills to be able to be good. You see, I mean, 
I don't think it's fair at all to compare someone like Hassan Whiteside to uh, Draymond Green, but you look at Draymond and what he does with his athleticism and his length or lack thereof, and he's arguably one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in the league. So, uh, and, but you can see that like he obviously has learned and it's a lot of intelligence versus like, oh, just raw athleticism. And you, it, you're not going to get that from Whiteside, but there's a lot of benefits from having a seven-footer out there. Like he's just yeah. going to take up space. He's going to get blocks. He's going to get rebounds. And that's what they need. That's what they need. Like we haven't had that in a while, it feels like. Yeah, and I mean, even just the the idea of him being the seven-footer, think about the difference between him and Myers as far as being on the floor. So there is, while he may not be the most refined talent, what he can do out there, what he can do naturally uh, defensively on the floor, there there is still something there. He still is definitely able to play as a seven-footer more so than even other seven-footers could do it. He uh, definitely well, has a role, and he plays yes. his role well, which is running, grabbing rebounds off of missed shots, just being taller, and then jumping higher than everybody. Like He knows what he can do really well, and then he does that so luckily like he's not trying to step out to like the three-point line or anything he knows to stay down low and block shots and look let's talk about him off the court for a minute too uh and, and even this is kind of on the court but it's the personality thing they want to get at. did you see him kind of mimic and mock uh De'Aaron Fox the the yeah. flop that flop uh that the Fox had late in the game he kind of like he got why is I got called for this foul where Fox, whether it was a real foul or not, Fox really embellished it or he really sold it. You know what I mean? And why I said after the whistle goes off, just kind of the way he kind of comes off all shaken. Like, I'm surprised he didn't get a tech, honestly, man. The way he's like sneering at the ref after. I was was very surprised, too. Like, I definitely thought he was going to get a tech at that spot. I rewatched a little bit uh, this morning. What kept it from happening? Yeah. Like, is it just because was he, you know, like. I feel like when we were kids, right, you always had the, the kid in class who could get away with making fun of the teacher or making fun of the kids more because he did it in a funny way or got a laugh out of people. So then it's hard to be disciplined, maybe. Like, I almost feel like there's that element in here where the ref, even if he's looking at Whiteside sneering at him, after doing the whole funny kind of shake around impression, it's like, well, he's not, he didn't like clap at him. He didn't like come at him angrily. Like, I imagine, that, again, the difference with Robin Lopez, when you get a, a call, when he would get a foul called on, on him, Robin Lopez goes in there like he's going to murder the ref. Yeah. Man, like just with this, the eyes and the glare. Uh, yeah. So it was interesting. I was, I was curious about that. But post game, though, Whiteside is doing the interview uh, with Dame. Uh, Brooke Olsen Dame is interviewing both Whiteside and Dame, I guess is the better way to put it. And he references, he says some really nice things, like the two of them complimenting each other back and forth. But Whiteside references the We Got Shooters like video that he put out. And I think he realized that, again, he's just got, it's like E.T., like Evan Turner last year. Whiteside seems to have a really good comedic feel for like how people are going to respond. And as soon as he was saying the We Got Shooters thing, he starts kind of like doing the head turn from the video, like mocking, mimicking himself almost. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's great to see. And I think like, I mean, it seems everything I've read, it seems like he's fitting in with the team really well, which is great because in Miami, it didn't seem like he was fitting in well. seems like kind of an outcast kind of a guy. Um, And then you saw even on the bench yesterday, like when Dame was going off at the end of the fourth, he was doing the whole like Dame time, Dame time with everyone else. So it seems like he's really integrated himself. It seems like, you know, Dame's doing his leadership thing, all that stuff. And Asan has just become one of the guys, which is great, which is great to see. And he also had nicknames for Simons. He called him like FedEx Amazon because he delivers. Yeah. And then he said something about Blazemore. He was also like shocked how fast Blazemore was or something. I think like it was that. like Blur, Blur yeah, Bays or something. Yeah, just stuff like that. Like, I think he's really buying in. Like he's putting up stats on a winning team, on a like good culture. Like he has a goal to look forward to now. Like this team wants to win a championship. So I think he's really buying into that type of stuff, which I think if you can get him to buy in and just be committed, you can get. That t- like that 2014-15 like Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, dude, I'm 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 stoked on it. I'm excited to see what Whiteside does bring for us. Let's jump over to Zach Collins real fast though. And anything else we want to talk about with the Kings game and these first games before we move on to some uh, some betting lines. But as far as Zach Collins, uh, you guys mentioned 
I think I don't know if it was you, Varun, or Ty, but uh, one of you guys mentioned that Zach played most of the fourth quarter last night, and he kind of was really the one that uh, that covered bases there. And is this a question of Whiteside just not being in full game shape, not being 100% yet on that ankle? Or is this more of something we are going to see as far as the Blazers going small? And Ty, like you and I have said before, is, is Zach Collins just going to be kind of the, the small ball uh, center in that in that sense? Varun, what is your feel as far as, uh, as far as Zach Collins' role and fit? Do you think, are we, are, like, how does this compare to your expectations of him as well? Like, do you think he's uh, on track or, or falling behind? It definitely matches my expectations. I think last year there was this huge expectation that he was just going to be like a completely changed player, like dominant, like ready to go, uh, coming off that like end of the year. Um, and it didn't totally happen. Uh, and then in the playoffs, he got a lot better. And then in his first two games, like I've been surprised at like how much more control he's playing with, like how much more awareness he's playing with. Um, I think that like in a dream scenario, like, yeah, I want him to be that small ball five. I want him to be like, you know, sort of like ending games and closing games and making sure like shutting down like some like whoever um, and protecting the rim. I think it's like the obviously the most important thing you saw him like I think there was two plays down the stretch where he like contested deer and uh, fox shots, not just the one that they reversed, but there was another one. Um, and also the offensive rebounding, like really impressed with that yesterday in Sacramento. I think there was two plays back to back where he got offensive rebounds and extended the play down the stretch when the Blazers yeah. were up between like seven and nine. Um, I think the way the league is going, like you need a guy like Zach Collins to sort of close games. You need someone who can guard anywhere between three through five, two through five on the switches. And that's what he was doing down the stretch. And, you know, it, it looked really good. So it really depends how the other teams are going to be closing. Um, but I imagine that most teams are going to be going to this like wingish six, eight, six, seven, like a lot of those guys out there and, um, like four or five of them there. And so if Zach Collins is able to close and shut down those guys, like, yeah, absolutely. He should be closing games and he'll be great at it. I mean, right now, like I think Stotts has, I mean, like with him, like he's very lineup based. I feel anyway, like he's, or like matchup based for his lineup. He's like, all right, like we have more wings today. I'll play the smaller guys. Also, like my big guys won't play. Like he just doesn't care. He goes like that. So I think he'll use it for like when they play like the Sixers and then like, and then like with, or like the, like with, I'm trying to think. Like with bigger centers, he can throw like Whiteside down there and go. All right, like you go handle like Joel Embiid for this fourth quarter, and then like when you go play like the Warriors and they go like Draymond Green at the five, then Zach Collins comes in. So I think we'll see a lot like mixture of that. And Carl you know, Anthony I, Towns is who I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> well, it, it is interesting too, though, because we mentioned before that. Uh, while I do agree that Stotsy definitely seems to be rotation based uh, at times in the past, and does seem to be what we're seeing so far, or not? Sorry, not rotation, matchup based, like what you just said, Ty. Um, I feel like in the past we've seen him more rotation based, where we've seen him play kind of pairs of players together. Uh, like Zach Collins and Ed Davis spent a lot of time playing together, and when one of them would come off the floor, so would the other. Damon CJ, uh, we saw, we've seen Stotts make kind of almost rotational shifts, like he's bringing off two or three or four guys even at a time. Uh, I am curious how this shakes down, whether we really see kind of, it, it might be dependent too on how Zach is how Zach is looking to the team, how he is kind of filling in the, the minutes he's getting, if he's going to be that, ki- that guy that comes in based on matchup or if he can kind of take on a bigger constant role, someone that is like more finishing games or let's say at some point even it could fit more to start as a small ball uh, lineup. I think we've seen that from Golden State in the past where they would come out with that, that death lineup, right? The super small, super fast, just blow the score out and then if the if the bench or the depth behind him couldn't really hold the lead, the lead was big enough. You know, it's not gonna not gonna drop off entirely. 
Yeah, I, I think like at the end of the day, Ty really called it out. Like, I think it is going to be a Stotts decision. It's going to be like, okay, who are we playing tonight and what are we going to go with? At the same time, like it is, like I said, really encouraging to see the growth. It's really encouraging to see that like he's not picking up super cheap fouls. Um, as you mentioned at the top of the show, it's not necessarily that encouraging that the refs are still out to get him. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, he's doing everything you can expect. And I think that control that he's playing with is really like what I would highlight. Like, it's just so nice to see. Like, it really seems like all right, he's just I mean, well, he's on what his third year, fourth year. So like, but he third gets year. it. He, he seems yeah. like he knows what he's doing out there at any given time. So it's really encouraging to see. I think he's going to be on track like long term to be a starter with the Blazers at some point. Um, but it really just depends on like, you know, when NERC comes back, how the NERC contract ends up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually the other curiosity before we move on from white side and some of the game stuff, we'll get towards the betting lines in a second. But, uh, I, Ty and I have talked about this before Varun, but I am super curious if white side will be a player throughout the season for the Blazers, or if he's going to be someone traded at the trade deadline. We've talked about his exp- the value of the expiring contract is huge. And between he and Kent Bazemore, it, to keep both of them and let them both walk as free agents at the end of the year would be losing a lot of value as far as trade value for the Blazers. At the same time, if Nurk isn't 100% healthy when he comes back, it, seemed, it would seem crazy to get rid of Whiteside if he's playing this well. Uh, having both of them would just be such a weapon. I think it's really, as, as as you just laid out, like it's really, really tough to predict. I think, look, at the end of the day, like there is a reason they took him on. It was to plug in that hole that Nurk uh, has left us with. But at the same time, I also think that like, you know, the salary matches, the salary that they're taking on is like a very conveniently numbered salary that it makes it very easy to trade for a Kevin Love, a Blake Griffin, whoever that person might be. But I think at the end of the day, it's really going to depend on Nurk's health. It's going to depend on how Whiteside's playing. It's going to depend on where the Blazers are, are in terms of the standings. Like, it's if I would just say that if you're making a prediction now, like you're making it with like a lot of uninformed, like you're making an uninformed prediction basically, and it's going to take us like 15 to 20 games. If I was like, if you gun to my head, if you like asked me like, are they going to trade him? My gut says. I'm right on the line because, like, it really just depends on what's out there and what people are offering. Because, and and that's a big thing too, right? The Cavs right, can right. say, okay, like, if the Cavs are like decent in December, they might be the the cost to get Kevin Love might be a lot higher. Now, if they're horrible, the cost might sink. So it really depends how desperate the Blazers are. It depends on desperate other teams are. And I think Olshay, as he's proven, is just going to sort of wait and see. He'll make some small moves. He'll make moves here and there. But like. I don't think he's going to push all the chips in the middle for Kevin Love for Blake Griffin unless he feels like it is an advantageous trade. He's never going to make a 50-50 trade. He's going to make a trade where it's like, all right, we need this for our organization right now. Ty, you got anything uh, anything to add as far as Whiteside to stay here? Or uh, should I, I got one more thing to bring up on Sacramento, then we move to the betting lines. No, I think I think we've said it all in previous, so yeah, not, not too all much right. change for me. So my one, uh, my one final thing that I want to bring up over these first two games is our three-point defense. Uh, game one against Denver, I think we allowed like 56.3% yeah. from deep. Uh, last game against Sacramento was an improvement. We only allowed 40.6%, which is still way too high. Uh, I mean, obviously it's closer to that, the NBA average, but man, I, I just, I, it surprises me because I didn't expect the, the perimeter shots to be the thing that could sink, uh, this team as far as just like an early, early hole, I guess, early uh, uh, gap in their in their system here. But how are you feeling, Varun, as far as uh, 
the the perimeter defense so far? Is this something that is going to be an ongoing problem for us, or is it already coming down enough that you're not too concerned? Yeah, I mean, it, it's concerning, obviously. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way to, like, dance around it. I mean, the, but this is the product of when you lose a Mo Harkless, when you lose an Alfred Camini, like, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be growing pains in the defensive end. Um, Ken Bazemore has been awesome. Like, his hustle has been awesome. He seems like he's getting to the right places. I'm, like, really impressed. I've you know, the, 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 the notes on him were sort of like pretty good off like pretty good offensive player and like, okay, defensive player. I think he's shown a lot in the first two games. There was that sequence in the first game where he had like three straight steals. And then yesterday with the block. So he's like making those kind of plays. But I think from a team defensive standpoint, when you're throwing out, you know, Kent Bazemore, Rodney Hood with a lot more minutes, uh, Anthony Simons, Mario Hazonia, like those guys, like they're not necessarily used to playing this system. They're not used to necessarily playing like a high level style of defense where they're like, all right, we got to shut down three pointers. So I think, you know, Terry Stotts even mentioned like they're going to be, it's going to be a focal point over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and it's something they definitely need to improve on. So I don't think it's going to get better. Like immediately. I think once you get to game 2025 20, in that February range or January range, you'll start to see some improvement. And the hope being that by the time they get to the playoffs, they're locked in or you know, I don't want to speak the playoffs into existence, <laughs> but, I play, but like, I don't want to jinx anything here, but yeah, I would hope that when they make the playoffs, uh, that they're locked in defensively for that three-point line. I mean, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, like, it's definitely, like, very concerning. Like, they definitely left some guys wide open. We we're like, all right, like, get to that rotation. They were just staying there. Wide but open. also, like, the Nuggets shot that ball ridiculously hot. They shot 56%. Yeah. And last night, they played the Suns, and they shot 7 of, like, 28 from 3. And they went to overtime. Denver? Yeah at home and beat the Suns by one and got very, very lucky by blocking a last-second Devin Booker shot. So this is a very make-or-miss really? league. Like, they were super hot, and the Blazers were cold. I think they shot, like, 27% from three, and they still almost won that game. It was two Jokic threes at the end, which were kind of annoying, but they were left open, so you have to figure out that. Also, like, Whiteside was gassed. So right. just little things like that. Yes, it's concerning, but also I think – these two teams were super hot from three, and we've just been cold. So I think that also has a lot to do with it as well. The, the variance is, like, for sure. Like, and not to mention, like, Denver is an excellent three-point shooting team. Yeah. Sacramento is, like, no slouch. I mean, they have guys out there who can hit open shots for sure. Like, And Buddy Heel took eight more threes than Damian Lillard last year, and he hit 43% of them. So he hit more threes. Or, yeah, he shot – yeah, like, he shot more threes than Lillard and hit it at a – higher clip like that dude's a sniper so it look it could be a two-game thing but i i i agree with ty like it is concerning and the hope that is that it gets that gets better but also like you know the variance will hopefully like play itself out and that number will just start to drop slowly and again i i feel like we've heard this around the league so far this year even that especially now with with the the trends the way things are going it is really going to be an offensive heavy season for the NBA uh, for the most part the way the teams are kind of shaking out. It seems like it really is going to be more of who can score more points in most cases a lot more than can you defend your opponent and keep them from scoring as much. Uh, hey, that's that's the evolution of the game, right? Like we've seen that in past uh, eras of basketball and I'm sure defense kind of it'll come in and out, come back around. It could even be the point where when you have two huge seven-footers, Nurkic and Whiteside, maybe that's the kind of defensive shift that people start to be like, whoa, look what they did on defense, and things start to change around that way. Again, like you said, Varun, maybe I'm speaking too much into existence here, but we're allowed to be hopeful, optimistic fans here on Trailcasters. Uh-huh. All right, let's... Uh, I promise, I just don't want to jinx anything. You're good, bro. <laughs> All of a sudden, I, I won't even speak about it, but yeah. <laughs> hope is that, yes, we're going to get to the playoffs again. 
I'm, I'm feeling good about it. We're, we're feeling good about it around here. Uh, if Believe me, you wouldn't be the first to jinx it, so don't worry. We, we say all the time. We say plenty about it. Uh, let's talk about some betting lines, though. Uh, Ty, why don't you take over for our new segment, Win, Loss, or Tie? <laughs> I love it. All right, so since the Blazers play tomorrow, they don't have a line yet set. So I figured, one, we could look at today's lines or some other NBA games and look at what we would like to bet on. I know this show might come out two, three days later, but... Some people can just see how smart we are after that. They can see how right we are. But also, I figured we could do like a little like guess the lines for these next three Blazer games and try and predict what the spread might be for the next three okay. games. And then I think we can recap in a couple days as well. So I'll just start off for today. Um, my best bet, I wrote it down right here. I have two. I'm going to do a little parlay. And for okay. I don't know if people know what a parlay is. Is that what's when you like basically like you're our, I'm taking two bets and I'm making them into one. And so I need both of them to go right. So I have okay. the 76ers minus three points. And they are playing the Pistons. And I have the Hawks at plus two and a half. And they are home and they are playing the Magic. And so I'm parlaying that. And that odds come out to plus two sixty four. Nice. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that on two so to one odds basically. Yeah. Okay. So so two sixty four, like we've talked about on previous episodes, if you were putting a hundred dollar bet out there, you'd be getting a two hundred sixty four dollar return on top. So yeah. yeah. You're getting like two and a half times return. So I need Rune, the Sixers you- to win, and I need the Hawks to lose by less than two points. Sixers to win and Hawks to lose by less than two. Varun, are you a are you a sports betting guy? Are you in on this new this new trend this year? Uh, I'm uh, too much of a sports betting guy. I have a bunch of, I have a bunch of money on I have a bunch of money on college football today. I have a bunch of money on NFL tomorrow. I actually nice. NBA, NBA is like probably the only sport I don't bet. I bet college football, bet college basketball, bet NFL. I'm so bad at betting football. I do it all the time and I never win. But I win on NBA. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I bet a lot does not mean I win. There's yep. definitely not a lot of wins that come out. But uh, that being said, I was just going to say, I really like uh, the bet that you put out there. I think the Hawks have been really, really fun so far. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I haven't got to sit down and watch them a ton. But I just, I, I, feeling-wise, I like that bet that you put out there. Not to mention the 76ers defense has been, like, unbelievable to start the season. And no Blake Griffin for the Pistons, so they right, right, yeah. So they kind of seem pretty wild, like right now, like they don't really know where to go. So I feel like the Sixers, I mean, being favored only by three points. And last night, I was all over this yesterday on Twitter. So the Blazers started the game at minus two and a half, or no, they started the day at minus two and a half. It dropped to two. It dropped to one and a half. It dropped to one. We knew Marvin Bagley wasn't going to play. That didn't make any sense to me. I threw so much money on the Blazers wait, wait, yesterday just, just on, like, four <laughs> different type of bets. I had them parlayed with teams because I think because for some reason on, like, the Oregon lottery, like, oh, man. I mean, like, you can't bet, like, the same thing. So I had to, like, attach it to other teams. I had the Nuggets last night, and then I was stressing about that game. But, yeah, I was telling everybody last night, I don't know why that game was only one-point favorite for the Blazers. I mean, yeah, okay, so, again, let's just let's just clarify or break this down to layman's terms for anyone that doesn't quite understand the sports betting stuff going on quite yet. You're talking about when you say the Blazers were, it was negative two-and-a-half at yeah. the start, so that means we were favored to win by what, two-and-a-half? Yeah, uh, points. Two-and-a-half points, okay. And then That's it dropped right. down is, to one-and-a-half, I think, is what it ended at. So saying that as, for some reason... There was a uh, the the Kings were almost like having a late surge in, as far as a favoritism for it. Yeah. Could that a lot of that shift though could just be bets coming in, right? Let's say there's a lot of people uh, they saw the Blazers not do so well in the first game. They're down living in California and the thing, and oh, let's let's 
get behind our kings down here. People be sleeping on the Blazers all the time. Definitely. I, w- I, would, I would imagine that a lot of like sharp money came in, a.k.a. like the professional bettors are betting or hammering the Sacramento Kings, knowing that the Blazers lost. They had a tough travel day. They're coming in all right. the way into... Hearing about that four and a half hour delay, the big travel thing that could definitely influence that kind of thing for Blazers. Sa- Sacramento coming off like a really bad loss. Like they're going to be focused trying to get a home win due to the travel, due to the, the Kings coming off a bad loss, probably looking to bounce back at home, very motivated to win. That's probably why the line was there. But yeah, I, I saw that. I think I even saw it at like minus one or one under or what, excuse me. Uh, they were favored by one point. And I was even like, that seems weird. And all my friends were texting me like, that seems weird. And I was like, look, I don't want to, I'm not going to tell you to bet on the Blazers and then be the one to blame of like, <laughs> and like for a minute there, it didn't look great. They were down no. eight, down 10. Uh, but then, you know, Dame did his thing. All those guys came together and they, they, they made less mistakes for sure. The Kings made a ton of mistakes last night down the stretch. So, hey. It was a good right. night for me. Blazers win and I won some money. So, right, so <laughs> nice. So let's get to uh, I want to get to your betting lines, like uh, Ty, what you were talking about with each of the Blazers games. But first, does anyone, Varun, do you or I want to set up a, I guess, a parlay bet or any sort of bets on the other games today, like what Ty was saying? Ty, you said you're taking the 76ers over Pistons because there's no Griffin. Yep, at minus three. Hawks. And then the Hawks at plus two and a half. So I need both of those. Yeah. Or so I need the Sixers to win by more than three, and I need the Hawks to lose by less than two. Or just what, win the game for them as well. They can just win it and save me, save me some stress. What's your line on uh, on the Bucks Heat game or the Celtics Knicks game? No, you know what? Let's go West Coast. You got some East Coast ones. I see. Uh, what Rockets and Pelicans are playing today? What's the line on that? Do you have anything for that game? I think it was like twelve points for the Rockets. Let's jump on the Ooh, Oregon boy. Lottery app here. The Rockets are pretty favored in that. I know the uh, the Lake. No, someone's playing the Jack. Suns tonight. The Clippers are playing the Suns tonight. That'll probably be a and huge And they're a nine-point nine favorite. The Clippers are less of a favorite over the Suns than the Rockets are over the Pelicans. So I feel like, again, we're talking about what changes these bets around. The Clippers are considered the far and away favorite in the West, but the Suns, because they've been playing well right now, it's maybe a smaller margin on, uh, like, that nine-point margin. Whereas what you're talking about with the Rockets uh, over the Pelicans, the Pelicans missing Zion Williamson, and so it's a 12-point spread on that one. Is that what you're talking about? Again, I'm just trying to make sure we're breaking this down for people who are not yeah. quite as familiar. Yeah, it's a 12. Trying to see if my phone's going slow. Open up all these lines. <laughs> all right, here we go. Oh, no, here you go. I was just going to say one that I'm, I'm looking at my, my site now. Uh, one of the ones that jumps out to me is the Suns plus nine uh, against the Clippers. The Clippers have been really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But, like, the Suns have been pretty feisty, yeah, uh, yeah. especially coming off last night. I... I so you're saying you could take that one? You're saying like if you were if you were trying to get a good a good bet on there, you're saying you you would take that sun, uh, that the chance the Suns could win that one? Or you know now good? now that I'm speaking about it out loud, like I'm just realizing they had an overtime game last night. They might be tired, <laughs> just arrested on the road, and the Clippers don't really mess around. So maybe I would take that one back. Uh, but that Utah Jazz line too, I think they're nine point favorites against the Kings, like uh, at home. Um, that might be a good one too. Sacramento Kings coming off obviously a, a devastating loss to the Portland Trail. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good one to take. The Utah Jazz very very good team this year as well. Very good defensively, and the Kings' offense has been very shaky as we saw last night. And so again, just to clear clarify what you're talking about, um, the Clippers are favored by nine over the Suns, and you're just saying it's, that's a hard line to take because you're not sure exactly it, it, are the Suns playing hot versus the uh, how the Clippers are doing. Yeah. The Jazz though playing at home being nine-point favorites over the Kings, you're like, yeah, they will definitely beat them by nine or more is how you would win that bet. Absolutely, right? yeah. I, I, they they got to win by at least nine points. And honestly, now that I'm saying it out loud, I will take that bet just to 
just to prove my worth. <laughs> I actually believe in this. I will bet Utah Jazz minus nine tonight, just for you guys. Nice. Love it. All right, cool. Okay, well, you guys each got those. Let me see. I'm going to go... Uh, I'll take that twelve of the twelve of the Rockets over Pelicans, man. I, I feel like Rockets are on fire right now. Plus, I've got Clint Capella on my fantasy roster, so I, he's got to go off, man. He's got to <laughs> help out with that one. All right, uh, so Ty, give us those uh, those Blazer spreads. You had Portland uh, the game tomorrow against yeah. Dallas. Then we've got San Antonio the next day and Oklahoma City two days after. What are our spreads for those three games? Well, so for those haven't been released by any books yet, so I figured we would oh. just guess and try okay. and see. So let's set up our own. Then. So for I got tomorrow at Dallas. I think the Blazers will open up at about plus three and a half. Uh, I think the Mavericks are two and zero. Oh. They're home. The Blazers are on a road trip. I think there's going to be a lot of money and a lot of odds on the Mavericks. Agreed. I was I was going to put out plus four. Basically, I think they're going to be a four point dog uh, coming off of. They're just like the general road trip stuff. Dallas has been really really good. Porzingis and uh, Doncic have looked awesome. So I think the the heavy money is going to. Uh, people are going to be favoring the Mavs for sure at home. People are favoring the Mavs. And again, just for listener clarification, when, so when we're saying like plus four, the idea would be that the line we would be setting is that the, the, the most likely scenario is the Mavs win the game by four points. That is how we are trying. Vegas thinks that the, the, the Mavericks are going to win by four points. And they're asking you to bet either that or against that. Yeah, so yeah, a better could say yes, the Mavs will win by four, or the uh, better could say no. You know what? The Mavs will only win by one. Like even if they're if they're a Blazer fan, they don't think necessarily the Blazers will win. They're gonna say no, the Blazers will beat that spread, right? And so you could say like you could bet bet against that. And if the Blazers lose, but only lose by one, two, or three, you could still win that bet. Agreed. Yep, yep. you got it, hundred percent. But as any Blazers fan would think, they're as any Blazers fan should think, they are gonna win that game. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, screw you guys with your plus fours. I'm going to take blazes on that one. <laughs> All right. No, I, I, that's probably a good line, though. Uh, Dallas has been playing really well. Uh, and and also, know, just for clarification, I'm not yeah. guessing this is what's going to happen. I'm just guessing this is what the line's going to open up. This is yeah. what the line I will be. I think Portland okay. will beat Dallas. Oh, okay. Okay. He's yeah. a real Blazer fan right there. He knows. Yeah, there we yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is good. Let's let's throw in kind of our predictions with the lines though. I, I think that is a good line though. I think Dallas is gonna be favored by a small margin. Uh but yeah, I think Portland pulls this one out, man. I think they're more likely, in fact, to pull out the game against Dallas than they are necessarily to win the next game on a back to back going into San Antonio the next day. What is your line for that game, Ty? What are you saying? I'm that? opening that up at Portland plus six. Plus six. So you're saying San Antonio favored by six points on that one. Yeah, that might be a little high. Um, but I think coming off a of back-to-back and just kind of depending how the Spurs look on there, I think they play tonight. I think there might be some hate on the Blazers coming off that Dallas game. <laughs> so, But that might be a little high for an NBA game. I, it felt a little high. I looked at the Spurs schedule so far. So they beat the Grizz, or that was preseason. So they beat the Knicks so far. They're playing the Wizards today. I think you just mentioned that. Uh, so it depends how they fare against the Wizards, but if they win by like a comfortable eight to ten points, I think it's not crazy to say six. I'd probably put it at like a five and a half, five maybe, like not that different, but something around there sounds about right. Are they playing the uh, Wizards at home? Are they in San Antonio today or are they traveling? They're in San Antonio. Yeah, man, that does make it tough. So they are at home. They're playing a I would say Wizards are a, an easier team. They're not one of these guys that's going to really push them too hard necessarily. Or if anything, they're going to be a good team to maybe warm up against uh, for us, and especially if we're coming yeah. off of a back-to-back. That's a tough one. Uh, 
And I think they okay, will, well, might lose that game. I, I'm, I think that might be the one they drop on this road trip. I think that's just going to be a tough, I mean, with Greg Popovich. Th- and then now, like, with DeJounte Murray and Derek White, they got those fancy little guards. Then, obviously, like, with DeRozan and Aldridge, I just feel like they have a day rest, a game plan. I think they might pull that one out. Yeah. And then with the third one, they are playing the Thunder. T- uh, not the next, on the 30th. And I think Portland will be a one and a half point favorite to open up that game. Interesting. See, I think I was gonna say that the um, looking at their I'm looking at their wins right now. So the Thunder have lost to the Jazz and lost to the Wizards. I was actually gonna say before I looked at that that they were the, the Thunder were gonna be a one point favorite. Really? Yeah. I I, I don't know. I, well, most home teams, yeah, they they get that. Yeah, yeah. I think just also like you know, team coming off a, like on a road trip, four game schedule, like might be tired, etc. Yeah. Um, and then Oklahoma City being somewhat refreshed, we'll see. They have a game on Monday, so they have a game tomorrow. They have a game Monday, and then they have a rest day, and then it's the Blazers. So I would, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Thunder were favorites. That being said, it's probably gonna be like, what did you say, one and a half, two ish? Yeah. yeah. That's not that. That's probably actually. And also on Monday. I don't know how much this ties into it. I think it's away as well. But they play the Rockets, so they play against Russell Westbrook. So that team might have a really high energy to win that game. And, and then they might drop. Yeah. And especially, I don't think it's home because I feel like we'd be hearing a lot more like stuff on ESPN and prep up that Russell Westbrook's going home. <laughs> no, it's, it's at Houston, it looks like. Yeah, so, yeah, and then I think they win that game. So. Yeah, I think that's going to be a tight game. I could see that too as far as just the... Uh, the end of the trip and, and OKC kind of being settled in there. I I got to take Blazers on it, though. I feel pretty good about about Blazers, uh, at least on this. So what? That's a a four-game road trip, right? Uh, Sacramento, Dallas, San Antonio, and OKC, and then we come home after that. Mm-hmm. I think we got one more game that week, right? Yeah, next Saturday against Philly at home. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And then it's like right back onto the road after that. Yep, yep. That looks right. 13 of yeah. the next 18, right? Or 13 of the first 18. So with uh, with Sacramento already in the book for this uh, road trip with three games left, I've I feel pretty good about three and one overall. I think three, I, and, I, one, three and one would be like massive, honestly. Like if you can take a road trip like that and go three and one with most teams in the it's all teams in the West, I assume. Yeah. So like if you can pull that off and you're in a road trip and you're coming out of it three and one, like that's great. I think two and two, I would be totally fine mm-hmm. with yeah, one and yeah. three. It's like. God damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, but like, I, look, look, the West is super, super tough. Being on the road is super tough. I, like, I'm, I'm not going to be happy if it happens, but I would not be shocked by any means yeah, yeah. if for some reason they can't pull out one of the next three. But, you know, this is a good team. They're, they're veterans on there. They're guys who, knows, guys who know what they're doing. You got Dame, you got CJ, and hopefully they can will them to at least two of the next three. It's, it's definitely an early road trip, and, you know, the, I think it, the team is coming together, kind of finding their footing like we've been saying about it. Uh, two and two wouldn't be bad. I think anytime you can go 500 on the road is good. Uh, but I do think after if – if we can beat one of the Texas teams, how about that? If we take Dallas, I feel pretty good about three and one at that point. So that, that game tomorrow will, re- will really be the key. If we lose against Dallas, then, okay, let's try and maintain for two and two. But, uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about it, man. Let's get that one more game in here, though, since uh, next Saturday I'm actually going to be working the pregame stuff and then going to the game that night. So we will not be able to record next Saturday. We'll, we'll be recording next Sunday. Uh, Ty, what do you think as far as uh, on the spot line for the game against Philly at home next Saturday? Who at home against Philly? Uh, I'm going to say the Blazers are like minus one point favorites. Yeah, minus wow. one, or, 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 
like maybe minus three. I think Philly's really good, and I think the betters are really high on Philly, but. Yeah, I, I think the issue will be the betters are high on Philly, and I think there's always this thing about the the game coming home, especially from like a, a road trip, and then we're going back right out on the road. I feel like that can kind of be one of those where the players kind of let up a little bit. Uh, I think minus one, like favoring Blazers by one point is optimistic. I, I, I want to believe in it, but I think that's going to be tough. I, I'm, I'm there with you, though. I'll take that line just in, in the hopes and to support our team. But Varun, what do you think? Are you a little skeptic as well? I was going to say I'm a little skeptical on that one. I was going to guess that it was going to be like three and a half points for the Sixers, like as favorites. Um, I lose Three and a half. Oh, boy. I just checked the schedule. So the Blazers, so regarding your point, the Blazers are going to have two to three days off between uh, the Sixers game oh, oh. before that, which is nice. So in terms of coming home and getting settled, all that stuff. That's a good point. The problem is the Sixers, they have a game Wednesday, and then their next game is that Saturday against the Blazers. So they will also have plenty of time to travel rest. Um, I just think that Sixers defense is like extremely menacing. Uh, and, you know, Hassan Whiteside trying to guard Joel Embiid, Al Horford, any of those guys is going to be a, a task in itself. Like first real test for Whiteside. 100%. Yeah, yeah. First like real, real test. So, uh, I mean, I guess minus maybe the, the Jokic game. We'll, we'll, let, we'll, yeah. we'll let that one slide. <laughs> yeah. That was a warm up. That's going to be a big one for sure. And we'll see if he can, you know, step up to the plate or if he's just going to be, you know, a cold chicken served basically. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well uh, i like it i think that was a, a nice nice first round of win loss or tie huh no okay sorry i'm gonna keep pushing that name i i, I think we need to adopt it i'll get some game it, show music it in might be too. pretty cheesy but we'll <laughs> roll with it listen okay so how about some quick prop bets i want to ask uh, varun about some of our previous prop bets our seven footer one in particular because that seems to be the one that we're really running with here but uh i saw a new one i wanted to bring up Steve Kerr said that Clay Thompson is unlikely to return. He kind of backtracked a little bit later, and I think he was like, whoa, it doesn't mean that Clay's not coming back this year. But he did kind of hint that maybe Clay's not coming back this year much. Uh, so I don't know. How do you guys feel about if Clay is less likely to come back, whether he does or doesn't? Does this make it more likely for CJ to get an all star slot in the West? Varun, what do you think? Ty and I have kind of talked about CJ being on the cusp where he deserves it as far as his production, but with the West and the guard lineup out here, it's just a hard thing to imagine. With Clay Thompson maybe out of the mix, do you think that puts him any closer or is it still just no-go? I mean, it definitely puts him closer, right? Like, obviously. But the problem is then you have, like, the Mike Conleys of the world. You have so many other guys that are just, like, vying for that spot. And there's going to be some young guy, uh, whether it's, like, a... Uh, definitely not Devin Booker necessarily, but a Devin Booker type, a Buddy Heel type. There's going to be someone who comes out of the West that is just going to be absolutely on fire, like having a great season. So, yeah, of course, it's going to put him closer, but I, it's just, it's so difficult. It's really, really difficult. And and part of it is also, it's, it's not just him. I mean, he obviously is, deserves it. He's a very great player, but it's also going to come down to win-loss record for the Blazers too, right? If we're like middling 500 or like, you know, six seed, seven seed range by the time the all-star game or all-star voting shows up, like it, it's not going to cross a lot of people's minds to like put CJ in. Now, if we're like in that, you know, two seed, three seed range and, you know, CJ McCollum's having a great season and Dane's doing his thing, then like, yeah, like it, it, it opens up a lot of doors for him. So there's a lot of different yeah, factors yeah. that we're going to have that, that are going to come into play. Um, you know, I obviously am optimistic. I hope that he gets in there, but I, I don't necessarily see that the, the clay thompson injury like makes it that much more likely necessarily yeah man it's a I, I i do feel like it's i think it opens up a little bit of room for him but yeah there's just it, it's going to come down so much i think to 
team performance. Like there, you're going to have players favored that have uh, been on winning teams, people that are at the top and in kind of the spotlight. So, yeah, if, if CJ has a fire year this year, maybe it does do it. I just want to see two all-stars for Portland, man. I just want it to happen. What do you think, Ty? Does that open up a, a door for him, or is it still pretty slim uh, slim chances? I mean, like, Would it definitely... Take that bet? I mean, no, I wouldn't take the bet. Um, <laughs> I've been on it. I've really been almost, like, trying to push it, but I've really been, like... I, I've, like, written about it on, like, three bold predictions before. Like, I've just... I Like, it's fun to talk about, but, yeah, it's so stacked, and I honestly think someone like De'Aaron Fox could easily outget him, and after last night's performance, you can see why. He's very explosive, very quick. He's fun to watch. So people like that, I think, are going to make it tough. And then, like, I mean... I mean, and then, like, he could also lose out votes to, like, rookie guys. I mean, like, John Morant has been fun to watch, and I think fans could just get behind him and really push votes. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for him. All right, well, uh, let's see. That's, yeah, I think we're all kind of on the same page for that one. Uh, As far as some other over-unders before we let you go, Varun, thank you so much for coming on here, man. Really appreciate it. Of course. But uh, Ty and I, on our first episode... One of the one of the prop bets that he and I set up was talking about the uh, um, the seven footers, the the height thing coming in this year for the NBA. How they are making all the players, all the teams designate specific players. Hey, kitty! The kitty's trying to get on. Camera. The guy's <laughs> all over the place. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good, bro. No worries. Listen, we were animal friendly silent. around here. We're pet friendly. Your, your cat's silent, man. My dogs come in, like, just clacking across the floor. No, no big deal. Uh, no, yeah, it's a pet friendly pod. We are all good. Anyway, the. Uh, the seven-footer bet. Ty looked it up. We saw 43 players last year were designated as seven-foot or taller. And we set up a line that uh, we set it at 15, uh, the over-under line at 15 for how many will lose that designation this year. And I said it wrong on the last podcast. Ty, you corrected me on the end. Thank you for that. But Ty is saying 15 or more will lose the seven-foot designation. I am saying less. And we've had kind of guests weigh in uh, throughout the pod so far each way. Where are you at on that one? What do you think? I feel like it's got to be more, right? I, what was it? So who wrote that article that was about like the like how players like lie about their height, basically? Yeah. <laughs> Some players like want the seven-foot designation. Some players don't. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like... I, I kind of got to take the over on this one. I think I kind of feel like more people generally would lie about being taller than would be a lie about, you know, being short. Right. Like yeah. I, 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 I certainly get that there's a, might be a stigma with, you know, women or whoever about like being a seven footer. That being said, like, again, I think generally people overestimate their height and they overstate yeah. their height. So like it, it's especially men, like, like, like you pointed out, it's a masculine thing. It really is. And I think at a certain point for the NBA players too, it's, it's a, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily masculine, but there, I don't know what the word for it is, but there is a certain aspect of they want that designation. I think KD, he's the example I keep going to. He wants to be known as a seven-foot shooter. And I, I think there's been comments from him in the media in the past when he was listed at 6'11 at first. He's like, no, I'm a seven-footer. Uh, I thought it was the other way. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was the other way around. Like, he did not want to be a seven-footer. He's oh, jumped really? around, I feel like. I feel like he's said it. He's not said it. He's been 6'8". He's been seven-foot. He's been Shocking. Six, KD nine. jumps around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. And and Draymond, I think, is another good example, though, because he is a guy who I think has long time been listed at, what, 6'9", 6'10", something like that? And now we find out how tall is he, Ty? What's his official height? He's like 6'5". Like, I think That's he proved it on his Instagram. Like, it was like 72 inches or 71 inches, something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, did you see the video of him, like, recording? And, like, this is the official way. And it's like, bro, you need... Yeah. You it's like, do wrong. your math. You proved yourself wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is interesting, man. I, I just... I'm curious about it. Uh, and I know 
know it doesn't matter. Chris Burkhardt, shout out to him, friend of the show. He uh, he was teasing us about saying how how unimportant this was, and I don't care, man. If the, if it's important to the players, we can have a fun time talking about it. So I'm I'm good with that. Uh, all right, so one other, two other, two other lines I wanted to put out to you, Varun, just as far as some things we've putting out to all of our guests. The Blazers' regular season win total, the line is set at 50, over or under. 50? 5-0? 5-0, sir. Oh. That's what we said. That's what we said. Oh, now you're going to make me look like a Blazers, or a, a bad Blazers fan. Hey, no, no, to be fair, Ty is over, and I'm up for each of these. Like, we got it set up for where he and I are over and under. So Ty is taking the over. I, I'm with you. I want to be saying they're over. I believe they will get over than 50, but it's going to be tough. And so as far as the betting line, I think I know where you're going. Yeah, I think the actual Vegas line was, like, what, 41, 42? And it started at 42, yeah. I think got to 46 God. is the highest I've seen, but... That's so low. <laughs> it's, one of the, but it's one of those things, like, the West is tough, blah, 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 all that stuff. But I, I think, like... The one thing, and I, I don't say this like jokingly or like half-heartedly, the one thing you really can't measure is team culture and all that stuff. And that's, there's a reason the Blazers have always outshot their Vegas prediction for the past couple of years. They've been over it by like four or five games or four or five wins every year. So that being said, like if I were to take the Vegas line, I, I would, you kind of have to bet the over just be based on history and how good that team has been against. Over 46. Yeah. 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 But over that being said, even. yeah, over 42, but 50 is, it's just, I, I don't know if I could take the over. I would probably put them at like the 47, 46 range of actual wins. So that's a, still a positive thing, Blazer fans. Yeah. But uh, I, I think over 50 is, you know, there's there's going to have to be a lot of good things that happen. So I like that optimism, you know, to take like Damon, CJ, both being all-stars, having those kind of performances this season, Hassan Whiteside taking a jump, Zach Collins taking a jump, uh, Kent Bazemore and Rodney Hood just shooting the lights out. But you know, I think it's probably safer to be in that 46 range. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair point. I, and this is definitely, this is the Blazer line, where the Blazer fan line we're setting, not the national line for sure. Because the national media, if it does have it at 42, God, that seems so low for how well the Blazers have over overperformed their lines in the past. It seems like eventually you got to start factoring that in. I'm going over 46, but I'm taking the under on 50. Ty, you got the over on 50. We'll see. Uh, believe me, if if it shakes out that the Blazers win 53 wins, none of us are going to be upset about it. I was going to say, I, I, I won't be unhappy if Ty wins this bet. I'll be <laughs> wins this bet. But. All right, final over under, Nurk's return date. We said it at March 1st. I'm taking the under. Ty's taking the over. Where are you at? I'm going to take the under, uh, mostly because I want Nurk to just get healthy and don't rush back. If you're healthy and you come back March 1st and your leg is all good to go, like, again, I'll be thrilled to lose this bet, but I'm just going to go under. I want him. Wait, so so you're saying you're saying he comes back after March 1st? Comes back after March. After, okay, yeah, okay. So you're with Ty on that one. Like I said, I would love for him to come back before that if he was 100% healthy. And, and if he does, awesome. I'm, I'm all in on that. But at the same time, I just, that kind of injury. And the thing is, like, he might come back around that time, but, like, him fully playing to his potential and how good he was, I mean, those are the kind of injuries, like, you could come back and then it's going to take another, you know, couple months to, like, really, like, get in game shape, uh, be the player that you were before an injury like that. So I, I think for all the Blazers fans out there, I don't mean to be a wet blanket, but, like, no. <laughs> when he comes back, like, I would, I, I'm, I'm trying to lower my expectations of like what he's going to be when he comes back. I'm with you. I've, what? I mean, like I thought they're going to be really patient with him. He's 24. They have him under contract for three more years. I mean, they, I mean, like they have Whiteside, they have Gasol now, they have Collins. They're just there's no rush to bring him back. You can wait. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I've got 
we've got actually a bunch of other over underlines that we've had from other listeners and from other uh, guests that have come on the show. I don't want to keep you here too long. We've already had you here an hour, man. I appreciate it so much. And Ty and I, we still got to go and cover our fantasy league and get, cover a couple of listener questions. Uh, but let's see. Uh, Ty, are there any of these others that from the over under page that you want to drop in on, on Varun here before we let him go? Or I don't have it like pulled up. Fire? I don't have any pulled okay, up. So okay. Probably not unless you have any, but... I'm, I'm just going to rapid fire real quick. Right. Just use this as the exit if that's cool with you. Uh, number of games where Ant, Anthony Simons, drops at least 20 points. The line is at 8.5. Over, 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 over. 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 Oh, this All in on Anthony Simons. All yeah, in on Yeah, buddy. I'm so glad. Where he just goes off and he's going to close out the game. I'm all in on the over on that one. Dude, I love it. I'm so glad I asked that one because so far everyone else has gone under. Uh, so They're all crazy. They're bad places. <laughs> Varun is picking up the big money on Anthony Simons having uh, 8.5 20-point games. I love it. Okay, let's see what else. Uh, oh, okay, this is a good one. From our listener, shout-out to Jay Sass. And actually, the last one was from at Bucks Blazing. Shout-out to him. Uh, m- which of these is most likely to happen? I got five options for you, okay? Okay. Nurk starts pre-playoffs. CJ makes the all-star team. Dame MVP. Whiteside a triple-double with assists. Or Anthony has a 40-point game. I know you're an Anthony fan, so. Oh, man. <laughs> so I, I, I genuinely think one of my, like, and I never think that, like, I'm, as you can tell, I'm a Blazers pessimist in general just because I don't <laughs> have expectations. Uh, but I legitimately thought at the beginning of the season, uh, Dame had a legit shot to be MVP this year. I, I, I don't think it's crazy. I think the people have been talking about, like, the narrative, and I think that, like, People want to reward someone like Damian Lillard. I think that's been said on multiple other podcasts. Like, he's a great guy. He's an awesome player. It's like this whole culture thing going on in Portland. And, you know, the past two games, he's been really good. It's going to take, like, a crazy, crazy performance this season by him to do so. And, like I said, it's going to come down to the Blazers will have to finish in, like, a top three, possibly even top two seed for him to get that consideration. Um, but out of those five things, I think it's more likely that like the Simon's 40 point game happens. That being said, like, I still would rather put money on Dame being MVP. I don't think it's as big as people are are thinking. Love it, dude. No, that's awesome. I, I, I thought I might tempt you with that 40 point Simon's one. So I had to get that one in there, but I like it, man. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll let you go with that one. Uh, listeners, actually here, we'll come back to the listeners. Thank you, Varun. Thank you first and foremost, sir. Appreciate you coming on here so much. Uh, if listeners want to reach out to you, they can always reach to us and we'll forward things to you, but where can they reach you on social medias? Uh, I'm, every single platform, I'm the same thing, at Varun Bose, so V-A-R-O-O-N-B-O-S-E. It's very easy to find on Twitter. I tweet basically only about the Blazers and, you know, maybe some <laughs> random ass stuff that nobody knows what I'm talking about, but, you know, so give it a follow if you if you so inclined, and I will not be offended if you don't. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, from Bleacher Report, Varun Bose, uh, thanks so much for coming on, man, and follow him for all that, all that Blazer, all the Blazer tweeting. Listeners, also write us your over-unders, your, your prop bets, any of the listener questions as well. You can always write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email us at Trailcasters at gmail.com. Thank you again, Varun. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you both so much. Enjoy the rest of the season. You too.
Welcome back. Quick shout out to our sponsors, Clearly Speaking and Envy Adventures. If you need to go and uh, get your speech clarified, if you work in public speaking or have any sort of desire to just be a, be a little better conversationally, go and speak to Brenda Nuckton at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. She can help you out. I have not had a formal session with her yet, but I've had some nice meetups and she's given me some real good pointers on trying to slow down my speech and just things that will help me and my voice uh, hold up over time. And and I want to keep doing this with you, Ty. I want to keep doing this for as long as we possibly can. Trailcasters for life. Yes, sir. Uh, and so if, if the key to that is keeping my voice in healthy, good shape, Brandon Nuckton at clearlyspeakingoregon.com is the one to talk to. Also, if you want to get out for, after some, you know, speaking of relaxing my voice and working on that side, if I want to relax my body and my soul, I want to get up in the sky and go see some sights around Portland in the Northwest and the beautiful Pacific rainforest we have up here in Tillamook. Uh, I would go talk to Corey over at envyadventures.com. That's E-N-V-I adventures.com. Ty, you and I, I swear to God, man, I've been hyping this up for years, I think, on the Trailcasters, but you and I, we are going to make this happen. We're going to get up on one of these flights yes, and do an episode. Yes, sir, we right. will. And it was, was it Chris Burkhardt, I think, that said he's going to come with us? Yep. I can't remember. I <laughs> cool, man. We'll get him in there. All right. So forget all that nice, pleasant, relaxing stuff. Let's talk about the Trailcasters Fantasy League. Yes, sir. Uh, get some fun, fun it's, bomb drop it's sound week effects. one in there. of games right now. Right. I had the, I think I had the 13th pick. I took, I take first pick. I took Bradley Bill. So nice. Let nice. him fill up the stab sheet. I'm currently up. Stop Tots is beating Team Trail Blakers. I am up 436 to 459. Nice, nice. Okay. Well, Keith, let's I, see. You're right next to me. You are currently down, Keith. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was looking good yesterday. Harkless <laughs> is, is, is losing down. Yeah, my, my, my Donovan Mitchell led Donovan Mitchell and Clint Capella led team not doing quite so hot. Man, you got 13th pick in the draft. I had 17th pick out of 20. This 20 <laughs> we definitely team... didn't think about a 20 team league at the draft. Like it, it never like crossed my mind until literally draft day. And I was like, if you have like the 18th or 19th pick, like oh man. Yeah. And then our players, we're gonna have like our bench players are good, but we're gonna be scraping the bottom of the barrel for some it's crazy, like, last man. players. I, I feel like as far as the waiver wire, one player has gotten tossed around between like four teams already, and it's Mason Plumley. So that is like the line for like Mason Plumley is the top of our waiver wire. Everyone above Mason Plumley is on someone's roster. Now it is crazy. I've never had a twenty-team league, league like this before. But I gotta be honest, a lot of leagues I've had in the past, year-long leagues, there's not a lot of trading. There's not as much kind of inter-team engagement as I want. So I'm hoping that with twenty teams and this many of the players taken up, I want to get some uh, trades going on, even if it has to be between you and I. Uh, we'll make it I happen. feel like we got to get some of this going, and maybe that'll help encourage some other guys to do it too. But yeah, so you are beating up on the tr- uh, team Trailblakers right now. I have Kyrie Holy Irving. Cons. He had 50 points that game one. That really helped. Ooh, oh, Trailblakers have a uh, white side man. They so do. be nice over there. Don't make the Blazers look so bad. I know. I'm sorry. Stotts Tots, <laughs> and I have a, and I have the, like, it's like the Terry Stotts old like basketball photo where he's oh, it's so good. He's got yes, the hair. Yes. Classic. I, I gotta find another one, man. They changed up how ESPN lets you do your uh, your your logo. It's hard sometimes. Like yeah, they make you choose a URL for it, and I really wanted to find a shot of Mo Harkless from that uh, Clippers interview where he's like eye rolling. Oh yeah. Uh, to Patrick Patterson, I couldn't find it, so I settled on one where I've got Mo Harkless with his ninja kick, uh, kicking the ball out of the net from last season for the Blazers. Uh, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. But as far as the teams, yeah, man, uh, you I think are actually the leading scorer, 536 fantasy points for you right now across the league. The highest uh, individual player, I think I saw earlier was let's see where was he in here it was i saw it 
Oh, Carl Anthony Towns, 151 fantasy points for none other than Coley Commies. Uh, so I was winning until yesterday. Ah. I was doing pretty well until Carl Anthony just dropped fire uh, all over the place last night. He's a monster. Uh, I think it was last night. Yeah, it was. Uh, anyway, yeah, we will get more of that coming up here, man. Uh, we'll get some more. I, I feel like we got to do something with something fun with the league. We'll get some like some maybe prizes going for the weekly yeah. scores. Or uh, or maybe we'll find like we'll pick a matchup each week. You and I can bet on on a matchup, <laughs> and that should be easy next week because my matchup next week is against you, my Oh, man. let's go! You and I let's are going go. week two. That'll be now, fun honestly, right I, off the bat. I kind of wish we could have saved that for later in the season, so you and I could like really build up to this and talk trash. Because uh, I don't, I think with twenty teams, I think we're only going to face off once per team each season. Probably. Yeah. Uh, but maybe we see each other in the playoffs. We can bring it back around. So maybe. this will start, this will start the rivalry. This will start you and I off. Uh, We'll we'll have some bad blood right from the beginning of the season, and then the rest of the uh, of the season we can bet against each other's teams with whoever else is doing well, and now get the listeners involved. All right, we can make that happen. <laughs> Moving on from the uh, from the fantasy league, though, we'll come back to that more as it gets going. We don't really have any results to speak of yet, though. We do have some listener questions and some other uh, some other lines from them. Yep. Starting with uh, Bob Deeger, he's written in before Pete Paranormal. Now is the tag he's going by at Bob Deeger. He says, feel free to opt out of touching the third rail here. Uh, okay, here we go. In heavy incoming topic. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Pete, Bob, whatever your name is. Um, <laughs> feel Bob. free to opt out of touching the third rail here. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts regarding criticisms of the recent video released by the Blazers, which spotlights their social media team. Ty, did you hear about this? Because I can I can narrate and cover this if, if we need. Uh, I, I heard about it. I mean, at first I didn't really... I was kind of like seeing people talk about it, but it wasn't really clicking to my head that that's what they were going with. And then, yeah, I saw it pointed out. And I'm I'm not much of a person to usually have, like, I don't really, like, tweet political stuff. I don't usually get involved with this type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you leave that to me. I, use, I, I leave that to Keith. <laughs> um, I don't think the Blazers are not picking people of color. So that's what I'm going to say that. I think it was just how it the video turned out that just happened to be shooting some meetings. Um, yeah, it didn't look good, but I don't. I I find it just kind of ridiculous that now people just want to take this video that was meant to be fun, and now it's turned into this thing. And then like now we have social heads from like ESPN going it and like quote tweeting it, and then now they have their followers all riled up. And it's like really, it's just like, come on. Obviously, you know that's not what their intention was so i mean that's about all i really have to say on it i don't know if i'll get killed for that but no you're good man no, like, I, I, I just I find it a fair. little ridiculous i'm just like come on like, obviously yeah i know i and and it's one of these things kind of like what we said with the hong kong situation this is a complicated issue it's not simple uh i'm with you i don't think the blazers are choosing to and it's also Portland, Oregon. It's Portland, Oregon. Come out well, here. And, and to be fair, too, it's not only Portland that has this issue. We like be, after this question was brought up, there have been uh, this is kind of like it's it's they've looked at other NBA teams, and there's a lot of teams that were the social media departments just seem to be more white people, and it's it's not right. It's not it's not excusable. No. It's not something that should be. It should be looked at, and it should be changed. Definitely. But that's not to say that it's malicious. I think is the bottom line here. I, I don't, don't think, think there's anything malicious. I hope there's not. But let's say there right. is, then that definitely needs to change. And then with yes. everybody, not like then it's it, yeah, or then it's wrong. And no matter what, I, I think the, the the big point here that Jamel Hill, I think, is really the yeah. one that kind of lit up this topic. She retweeted and said, "You guys don't even realize what you've exposed." And she's right. Uh, the 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 problem here is real. There is a real issue because 
even if we are saying it's not just Blazers, even if we are saying this is just the way it's worked out through no fault of anyone's, if you're trying, if we're trying to be that passive about it, uh, it needs to be addressed because th- this department specifically, the idea of the social media and kind of the the fan interaction, the fan engagement that this department heads and kind of uh, pushes through, what they what their experiences are is going to be reflected in the product they put out. And so if you are marketing, if you're marketing a, a league, a sport that is largely black athletes and largely takes in black culture, I'm not saying that's just for black people. I, I think black culture is something that is, it's it just through the NBA, if nothing else, it is shared among all fans of all colors and backgrounds. Uh, but if you have a social media department for one of these teams that is entirely made of people not involved in that culture, there is going to be a, a disparity there from from what fans are living and what they are experiencing and what you are putting out there. Yeah. So it does need to be addressed. It needs to be changed, uh, whether it was anyone's fault or not. The, the system needs to be looked at to make sure this thing does not go on happening. And also, like, I mean, like with the players, they seem to really like these social media team. Like, they do interviews with them. They're really right. like funny with them. So obviously, like, they don't think there's an issue there. I don't think like they haven't come right. out really said anything but obviously like they're okay like with the people like running the twitter videos and like they're giving them funny videos to put on twitter like they're not just like oh these are only white people i don't want to talk to them they don't have anybody here that i look like That's yeah, not, yeah they're not doing that yeah and uh, yeah exactly we're no, no one's blaming the players for thinking that they are being intolerant of this and, and to be honest i don't i don't think anyone is blaming no, no the actual social media staff for being intolerant to racist themselves i think the issue is whoever is hiring these uh whoever's putting this stuff together where are their perspectives and their yep. priorities uh and and how much of this was intentional and and it should be talked about it should be addressed at the very least it should be talked about so that it can be changed going forward even if no one has to take the blame and luckily like this didn't really blow up like it didn't really right. become a big thing like we're like I mean, like where we saw like Rachel Nichols do like one of her segments on the jump or anything like that with it. Like we didn't see it. So I think it got maybe nipped in the butt. And then just hopefully the Blazers maybe will come out maybe the next couple months with something. I know that might seem like they're doing it on purpose, but just do something else to get it. No, yeah. Let it be on purpose, man. Let it let it be that they acknowledge that they that they have uh, been made aware of a mistake they made and they're ready to make amends for it. I think that's the proper way to go. Okay. thanks a lot. Parapeet. Right off the bat. (laughs) No, that's good, man. Look, we didn't talk about Hong Kong today, so we needed some sort of heavy topic to get in here somewhere later. Question number two from Blazers in five at Justin B. Leak. How does this starting lineup look so far based off your expectations this season? How are you feeling, Ty, about the Dame, CJ, Hood, Collins, Whiteside lineup? Um, I'm liking it. CJ's got off to a slow start. He's pretty streaky. Um, It's what's kind of frustrating with him is is when he's not scoring the ball, he's not doing a whole lot of other things. Like, he's not like a lockdown defender. He doesn't rack up a ton of assists. He doesn't always go in for rebounds. So, like, against Denver, he had 12 points. And it's just like, you can't have 12 points in the game opener against the team that yeah. you killed last year. You needed to come out. So that's kind of frustrating. He had a good night last night, but still, he was kind of cold to start the game. So I think maybe he's... I don't know if he's just being little complacent he's trying to allow dame to get his maybe he's trying to get white side more involved hood more involved i think that'll work out i really like hood he's kind of been quiet but he's putting up yeah. stats he's not doing anything wrong which is good like he's not like oh my god like he's turning over the ball oh he's not making the right passes i think he knows his role he knows where to fit in i really like him in the starting lineup he's shooting the ball well so okay, i like so- starters 
Uh, so I just want to let's let's talk about Hood for a second. Cause I, I agree. I think Damon CJ CJ is, is starting a little cold, but we've seen that with CJ before. He is streaky, like you said. Dame's doing Dame's thing. Whiteside is looking pretty good. I think from what we've talked about this pod so far, Whiteside has impressed both of us for the, for the first two games. Zach Collins, we've talked about him a little bit with what he, uh, where the expectations are and how he's how he's looking. I'm I'm not unhappy with him. We no. can see more. He's we not putting up big stats, and right. but I feel like like stuff that he does and kind of what Whiteside does, they don't always come up on the stat sheet. They do little right. screens. They fight for rebounds. They contest shots that don't come up as blocks, but they were contested. They yep. made people think about coming in the lane now because they know Collins and Whiteside are in there. So little things like that, I think he's done well. But so I think Hood is the real question as far as my expectations and, and wh- whether things are whether they are living, whether my expectations are being lived up to. I guess is the backwards way to put that. But Hood is not performing poorly, like you said. But how do you feel at this point with Hood versus Bazemore, like we've talked about on past episodes? Bazemore is looking pretty hot off the bench. Super man. excited about Bazemore right now. Pumped. We had one him. of the. We had one of the listeners bring up uh, steals for Bazemore, right? I think they put to us in a past episode. We got to go and look this up, actually, now that I'm thinking about this. It was one of them Chris. Said, I think it was Chris. Someone was like, would he get five steals or something like that game one? Yeah. And we both were all through. We're like, I don't know. That kind of nah. seems crazy. But after these two games, it doesn't seem so crazy. Well, but also, I think he got five steals, man. I think man. he did, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure. In, I think in the opener, I think Bazemore got five steals. We'll have to go check on that and, and give a shout-out to that listener. But, yeah, dude, nice prediction on that one, if, if that is the case. Uh, yeah, Bazemore's been looking pretty good. Does this mean, though, that you want him to switch the, the starting unit, or do you think that he's fitting in well on the bench and maybe that's his role? I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air with it. I'm really loving his energy. I'm loving when he's on the floor. Like, I just feel really comfortable now. Like, I mean, like, with our defense, I'm like, okay, like, Okay, like with Bazemore back there, he's going to get everybody in position. He's going to be barking out. He's going to be running around. Like, I mean, like, I feel really nice with him out there. I don't know if you start him because maybe, I don't know, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe you can start him because he's not really trying to do much offensively. He's really doing more hustle. He's playing defense. So maybe that would be like a good pairing with Damon CJ and then like with Hood coming off the bench as more of the scorer with Simons. But hmm. I don't know. I honestly don't think you can go wrong right now with these two guys. And I'm yeah. really excited to have Hood and Bazemore here. Yeah, honestly, I think with the defense we're getting from Zach and uh, Hassan, like you said, not all not all defense gets counted, but what they're doing on the floor is changing what opponents can do. So I feel like the defensive uh, ends and the defensive needs in the starting lineup are met well enough that yeah, I would leave it as is. Uh, yeah, so I, I think as far as that question, but not be shocked if he does start a game or two. Like yeah. if Stotts wants to see, okay, what do I have here, and see yeah. how that might click a little bit better. Because yeah, like I think he can come in and fit really well in that starting lineup it's not really him i think they're more about hood yeah i i think hood is the more natural fit there but it doesn't mean it can't be switched matchup dependent like we said before about stats next question from rasheed walden at og jailblazer how is everyone feeling about their fantasy team feeling good <laughs> nice feeling good ty is feeling really good he's leading the league in points scored he's facing off with me right now who's getting who's getting wrecked uh after one day of performance by cat uh but uh, you know i'm feeling pretty good on it too man i it's a long season we got 20 regular season games and then the playoffs i will see you in the postseason <laughs> sir ready for it uh, all right next question from uh, d kendall at smith rock avenger Let's say you're awarded courtside seats to Ugh. one of the decades night games this season, and you get to pitch which one you get to attend. Which one do you go to, and why? That's a fantastic. I feel like question. that comes on the heels of that Shea Serrano uh, tweet where he tweeted like, "If I had one goal, I could be going to like the Spurs courtside." And then of course yeah. they tweeted at him. So now I've been seeing everybody else do that for their favorite team. 
But for Decades Night, I did see this question early, and I didn't know the game, so I did do some research. So for nice. 70s Night, we have the 76ers. For the 80s Night, we have the Magic. 90s Night, okay. we're playing the Pacers. The 2000s Night, we're playing the Pistons. And for the 2010-whatever era, we're playing the Suns. Um, I would take the Pistons game during the 2000s era. That's when I really became a Blazer fan because I was born in 96. So about from, I mean, from about 96 to like 2000, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, <laughs> and even in like the start of 2000s, I wasn't really much going on. But my, f- I kind of got more into it around 2003, 4, 5 ish, stuff like that. So that will hit more home for me. Um, I think that maybe they'll bring back some of those old players for generations. So maybe we'll get like an Odin or like a Brandon Roy or maybe like a Damon Stoudemire. Because uh, that was like my first, first favorite player was Damon Stoudemire. Nice. Uh, maybe, uh, or like I know Zach Randolph's still playing. But someone like older like that maybe come back. Or Sabonis. It would be sweet to see him 2000 tonight. So I think that would be cool. And I think it's a very winnable game too against the Pistons. So yeah, that's a fair I mean, point so too. win game and then hit more home for me. I think I think the two thousands, and plus seventies night was like I felt like it was almost like preseason. So I almost got a little taste of that being at the Veteran Memorial right. Coliseum and everything. Yeah, dude, that was a fun game. I, I I was thinking about that too. Like when they were mentioning the decades nights, I was thinking like, wait, didn't seventies night already happen? No, that was just the, the the throwback game in the Memorial Coliseum with Stotts going full chest hair and yep. and two tones and the whole seventies slick look. Man, it was good. Uh, I think I kind of got to go with the same mindset as you had, though, as far as the generation I would go with, I think would be the one that really turned me, like, like opened up my Blazer fandom in the 90s. Uh, I was born in 84. Uh, we moved to Portland around 90, and so we saw the last couple of years of the Blazers play in the Memorial Coliseum, yep. uh, saw saw those rosters early, and I lived in Portland till I graduated high school in 02, uh, and so we, we I kind of saw a lot of those, you yep. know, the 90s teams all the way into the early 2000 teams. And then, you know, I, I come back 2010 later and see all the, the, the Roy Aldridge yep. era and all the rest of it. Um, the end of Roy's era, I guess, is the proper way to put that said. Okay, anyway. But, yeah, I would say the, the 90s era would be the way to go. And, honestly, 90s or 80s, I got to talk to my grandparents because I'm pretty sure they have some old-school blazer jackets, like old, like, puffy jackets. Yeah. That would be absolutely amazing to wear <laughs> and to be in theme for that night. All right. Uh, nice question, though. I like that. That was yeah. a different than some of the uh, blazers we had in here. Next one coming in. From look at this nerk at Apocalypse Plocks, he asks: Next game are the Mavericks, Spurs, and Thunder. Will the Blazers have a three and two record when coming home for the 76ers? Thoughts? We kind of okay, talked so about it a little bit, yeah. I think they yeah, will. We, we we talked about this. We kind of talked about the the road trip record, but so he's having he's asking overall record. We'll be five games in after this road trip before we come back next Saturday. Do you see us at three and two? Yeah, or better. Yeah, I see us three and two or better. I think they lose that Spurs game, and then that Sixers game could be pretty. Right on it. Yeah, so six has been that game six. And yeah, so losing to Spurs and the loss to Denver. I was like, wait, what's oh, yeah, the yeah, loss Denver, already? Right, yeah. I'm already putting our opening night loss behind yep. us, man. I'm like, I'm wearing the uh, the opening night shirt here. And I'm Ooh. like, oh, what, what game was that? I already like, it's out of my head, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> but yeah, I think three and two is good, man. I, I think it's totally possible. And like you said, we talked about this with Varun. I think it's within the realm of, uh, of, of realistic happenings. Uh, so I wouldn't be too upset if we were four and uh sorry what was it um what was the record there three i'm two. like losing my math yeah in, in, instead of three and two if we were two and three it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world but uh yeah i, I feel pretty confident pretty good with a three and two start okay so final question here from d kendall uh wait is that the one i just read no never mind that was the final question i'm not all paying right. attention <laughs> all right man uh 
so yeah, dude, good stuff all around. Thank you. We had, what was that, six listeners right in. So I'm going to random.org, put in one through six, generate, and the result is six. So that goes to D. Kendall, Smith Rock Avenger. Uh, you are winning the card this week. Ty, what card do we have for, for oh, D. Kendall? Oh, man, I've been slacking on this. I forgot to pick one out. Um, let's <laughs> Putting you on the spot. What you got? Uh, we'll do an Alfaru Kamidu. Okay. The chief. Sweet, sweet. Well, all right. Well, hey, if this goes up on uh, on video this week, we'll have the harp sound, and we're just gonna pretend that ties up here like Vanna writing a nice, beautiful Alfruit card, uh, and we'll get out to out to D Kendall at Smith Rock Avenger. Thanks so much for writing in. Thank you all of you for writing in. Listeners, remember you can write us at any time during the week about anything, preferably Blazers, but we will take all of your questions on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter at Trailcasters, or you can write me at Rip City Keith. Ty at Ty Delbridge, or go and just put in please straight for the sports cards at TD Sports Cards. Go and talk to Ty directly over there. You can also write us emails at trailcasters, uh, trailcasters at gmail.com. Finally getting a little tongue-tied here. Find our pod on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, all those things. And Ty, what are we always looking for? Five stars. Yes, sir. And please always check out this music from Odar at soundcloud.com slash Beats. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Ty, as always. Thank you, Odar, for those fat beats. And thank you to our sponsors, Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. And, of course, thank you, Varun Bose of Bleacher Report, for joining us today. And thank you, listeners, for a great listen. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please, come back next edition for the next episode of... (laughs) I said that wrong. Come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. Oh, man, yeah, just had to, like, throw off the timing on you a little bit. Like, do the little head fake at the end there. Awesome, bro. Thanks a lot, man. 